All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live again, and it seems as though we will have a recording on video. We've got some folks over in the chat room uh, on Mixler. We'll see if folks join us over here on the What the Buck page. As you can see, we've got a number of folks in the studio tonight, though the auto-follow seems to be having a bit of a struggle as well. All my fancy new technology, and it sucks right now. But we are live from Valrico, Florida. We're going to be talking Bucks football tonight. If you'd like to interact with us, you can tweet any of us at our respective Twitter handles. But I want to introduce folks first and let them tell you their Twitter handle is to my right. Viewers left, probably. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what the hell they're viewing, to be honest. Is the one and only Ren Dax of the Pewtercast podcast fame. And in my opinion, the man giving you some of the best training camp coverage available this season. Ren, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Uh, this is, I kicked off, well, I should say, knocked off one of my bucket lists for, at least for Buccaneers fandom. I did earlier this year when I got to go to camp for two days as credentialed press media. I can look where I want. And <laughs> Only if you don't want to be heard. <laughs> Act like you've been there before, brother. Oh, you mean in the microphone? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Like you've, br- never, like you've yeah. never had something like that in your face before. Let's, yeah. let's stop oh pretending. My. Oh, my. Here we go. And I haven't had anything to drink yet. Uh, Brent will not be happy with that. But now I'm about to give uh, Old School some praise. This is another bucket list, being in studio and on uh, – what's your podcast called again? Just, it's just called What the Buck, baby. <laughs> what the Buck. I'm glad it's on your, bu- your bucket list. No, you're welcome to the studio, and you're welcome to come anytime, to be honest. And, and to his right, our editor-in-chief at whatthebuck.net, Jason J.C. Delatore. Yep, and you can follow me at J.C. Delatore and – I live tweet Buck Games, and it's always entertaining to read my live tweets because I am a maniac during these games, <laughs> and I lose my mind, and I cuss, and I do all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's not for children, so don't have your kids read it, but it's a lot of fun. So definitely check, check me out during the game on Saturday, uh, as well as on What the Buck. I uh, I don't think anyone who follows anyone even tangentially related to What the Buck lets their kids listen. In fact, if you guys recall, I think it was probably... F- Four years ago, five years ago, when we went, like we used to be almost obnoxiously uh, explicit at sometimes because, to be honest, I just don't give a shit. But right. um, I had one of our followers send me an email, and they've been with us from the beginning. And at the beginning, we were PG. We were you could listen to it anywhere. That that was sort of the approach. We didn't necessarily shy away from it out of fear. It was just for broad appeal. You went for radio rules. <clears throat> yeah. And so this person wrote and said, "Hey, listen, man, I love the show. I've loved the show forever." Uh, but, like, I've got a kid now, and I try to listen to your podcast in the car, and it's absolutely impossible to do. <laughs> Is there any way that you guys uh, could tone it down some? And I was like, fuck yeah. Well, that's probably not what you say. <laughs> so we tried that for a while, and it didn't, it didn't take very yeah. well. So now we kind of vacillate back and forth. We're going to get your Twitter handles out there again. I saw a comment come across on the Facebook feed. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think Cheryl's tweeting on the What the Buck uh, Facebook page right now under What the Buck. She goes, we were never really PG. You're absolutely <laughs> right, Cheryl. We never really got to PG. We like got to PG-13 maybe. Is yeah. that, that's still a thing, right? I'm that not just showing my age. Thing, I believe. Ren, your Twitter handle is at Ren underscore Daxt, D-A-X-T, right? R-E-N underscore D-A-X-T. Excellent. I'm always down to talk Buccaneers football. Always down. Look at that. Ren's always down. Uh, down to talk Buccaneers football. D-T-T-B-F. Not going to do it. <laughs> not going <laughs> to trend that, huh? No. <laughs> JC. Hashtag no. <laughs> Love it. Uh, JC, your Twitter handle again was? JC Delatore. That's D-E-L-A-T-O-R-R-E. Okay. Uh, we had another comment for Shawnee. Shawnee Girls in the, in the Facebook room. She says, hey, listen, real fans curse. And especially, Buck, if, yeah. especially <laughs> if you're Bucks fans. Sorry. Yeah, yeah we're going to have some of that, guys. Listen, uh, the, the host of the PeterCast podcast, Brent, 
uh, is a real sound guy. And he has helped with some of the setup here. And he has a much more, uh, let's say, religious delivery affinity for sound than, yes. say, any yes. other human being alive. Uh, just to interrupt you real quick. I had to buy, like, Brent asked me to co-host after I guested on one of his on, on one of the pods. And I was like, yeah. And three headsets later, I was allowed to actually co-host because, <laughs> <laughs> because my sound was not good enough. Three headsets, two blue microphones, one Yeti. Well, speaking of that, Brent wants to know why the hell you're not wearing your PewterCast shirt. Because uh, I didn't want... Uh, I've seen the new Vimo. Mevo. Mevo. Don't. Easy. Jesus. I was just, you asked. It was, th- that was an interrogative, right? Sorry, I've right? seen the new Vimo. You Me- up talked. Okay. okay. Mimo? Exactly. Yes. Mimo. Yeah, there. Um, I, I saw, I, you couldn't really see. And so I didn't want to be a little presumptuous or, or uh, I don't even know the word. You probably do. Unless you've broken up. You have broken up with the, uh, the OED. I, I have broken up with the OED uh, because fuck them. <laughs> but uh, but no, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. But you could have definitely worn your Peter. You could have had Peter Cast written across your forehead. I just didn't think it would show up on TV. Fair basically. enough. I Fair think enough. you should tat it up. You know, have Peter Cast on your t- like on your arm or something like a sleeve. That'd be good. Hashtag no. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we're, you know we're still learning the Mevo device. And uh, we're going to work on our lighting and try and get some things adjusted so that it's a little easier for people to see. And then when folks do want to rep their, their gear, they can do that. I mean, yep. listen, the reality is we've got folks in here that have their own legitimate podcasts in even different genres, science yep. fiction and things like that. Mm-hmm. And this, this new media has been so phenomenal in so many ways and provided a voice and a platform for folks that previously just didn't have it. So the fact that you drove an hour and a half over here to get to the studio, fuck yeah, PewterCast. You guys, if you're not uh, subscribed to PewterCast, go do that right now. I Make sure you do that. Really good. I, I appreciate it. They and do a I, phenomenal job. Yeah. And I, I was actually shocked that you had not listened. Like you weren't already yeah. a listener. I really was yeah. when I yeah. saw that. Uh, you know, sort of the Twitter. Be like, well, if you say so, Derek, I'll follow. And I'm like, really, JC doesn't follow us. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry, what man. is going on? Sorry, man. No, it's cool. I mean, each their own. But you know, I. It's just you have this very small, tight community, which is growing, but it's still very small for like Buccaneers podcasts and things yeah. like that, and Facebook pages and groups and all that. And I thought, you know. Uh, of, of the downloads, the amount of downloads we get, like, you know, obviously you would be one of them. Yeah. But, uh, well, I am now. I, yeah, I, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. We're going to stop banging on the table. I'm, I'm playing Brent tonight. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. So, and, and again, stop yelling in the mic. I'm, I'm, pulling, I'm also pulling a Mark Cook because I just said, and again, but we're going to change the layout sometime because we have a tendency to want to look at each other because it's very natural human behavior. But that means that you turn away from your mics yes. unless you have a headset like I do, which I copped off of Brent. Because he did the same thing. And mm-hmm. so now I don't have the same problem you gentlemen will have as we talk tonight. But let's, right. let's do some housekeeping and then start talking Bucks football. To let you guys know in the chat rooms, wherever you happen to be, tonight's conversation is going to be primarily about training camp, observations, uh, surprises, things that we are expecting out of the Tennessee Titans game or that we need to see out of the Tennessee Titans game. And I will continue to use we. And anyone who doesn't like us using we can go fuck themselves. But it's the royal we. Uh, yeah. Sure, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, the other, thing, the other thing that we'll talk about is uh, the incendiary uh, article that came out for John Hingle, <laughs> where he once again compared our current defense to the 2002 Super Bowl defense, has people all flustered. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll go through the uh, questions you guys may have as well. So it's good to have you guys in all the chat rooms. We want to thank Steakhouse Elite. We want to thank Steps Towing. Um, those guys are back on this season, which is great. Uh, we expect to have our other uh, sponsors on within the next two weeks. We will be tailgating, as you guys know. We tailgate with a purpose. 
Uh, same place we've always been, 3316 West Ohio Avenue. Expecting some new great things from Bucknuts and Buckshot as they continue to evolve that tailgate. I got all of our new speakers in. There's a lot of them. <laughs> and what's funny is Mike Pepper, for those of you guys who don't know Mike Pepper, Mike Pepper's a longtime radio personality here in Tampa, mm-hmm. has gone on to do realty or something else, but he still covers uh, sports for Yahoo during the season. He always comes out to the tailgate and says hi. He always comments on how far away he is when he can hear our tailgate. <laughs> and last year, we got to within 150 yards of the stadium. Mm. So our goal this year is to actually get to the stadium. And some of the folks here who are close to me know that if, if I were not limited by funds and there was a place available directly across from the stadium that we could purchase and just be even more obnoxious, maybe put on a gigantic video board and call out things that we think are stupid, <laughs> that would be our goal. So with that all being said, uh, training camp is rounding the final corners. <clears throat> and I want to... I really do want to give Ren a chance. He's been doing his Ren's training camp diaries. That's not the full title. Is it, is it Ren Dax training camp diaries? I call it diaries, but the official name is journal. Oh. Ren's training camp journal. I say both. It's one of those things that slips, but it officially is Ren training camp journal. A, a fair synonym. I'll, I'll go with that. Thank you. Um, this was the most you've been ever cover, able to cover training camp thus far in your fandom, and you were credentialed for a couple of the sessions as well. Mm-hmm. Give me some of your first impressions of training camp uh, as an experience first, and then dig into the parts that you were like, holy crap, I went to go look for this, or I went to go look for that, and I was surprised by X or Y. Sure. Uh, I guess, you know, as many of these people are, gonna, are watching this now and going to listen later, uh, I know there's people out there that would probably cut up their pinky finger to get even just one day of credentialed media to, to Buccaneers. Um, to watch their team that close to, to sort of get into the media room, to be able to talk to, uh, you know, people like Derek and the guys from Pewter Report and the guys from Joe Bucks fan and, and Stroud and Pat Donovan, like all the guys, Greg Allman, I can't believe I left him for last. All the guys that you see on Twitter, that you follow, that you like, that you, you know, that are nice enough to actually will hold a conversation with you through DMs. Um, you know, it was a dream come true for me. And then the first time I got to actually walk out of the media room and through the security gate and, you know, none of the players are out there, and since practice is so early, it still feels like it's sunrise. You look over, and the, the big Buccaneer flag's waving. Uh, I tweeted this out, and it was like, I'm like, you know, I, uh, I'm hoping this is what heaven looks like. Now, putting all that aside, I'm there to do a job, and uh, I got, you know, I got some things to do. And uh, what I appreciate the most when, um, from people that I follow that, that cover Buccaneers training camp daily is I like the videos. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so my first day there, I wasn't really sure to what to expect. I wasn't really looking for anything. Uh, but what I did notice was you sort of see when they come to stretch and then the whistle blows, they all do individual drills. And you start to figure out that the players you can get close to get the best video for. Um, and they keep and they keep going back to those same spaces. So that's so that was I guess the first thing I picked up on day one. On day two, I wanted to see what everybody wants to see. I want to see the one-on-ones, defensive line, offensive line. Sure. You know, I wanted to see how, uh, you know, what JPP looked like. You know, um, how uh, Bo Allen looked like. What, what did Ryan Jensen look like? And then after that, uh, started digging into, you know, sort of the lesser-known people. Justin Watson, Jack Sitchie. Uh, I wanted to see Sean Wilson, you know, uh, the Igwe Buike safety kid who has made absolutely no noise, uh, but the Bucks paid him, you know, far as an undrafted free agent, a nice salary to get him in camp. Um, and those were the, the things I was looking for. But, you know, I guess to sort of put a button on this and answer your question, 
it was so new with the access, it was more of just trying to figure out the layout. And yeah, the lay map, of the land. The lay of the land before I really started to to dig in and 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 look for things. Um, but I guess my I guess we'll say. My favorite thing was, and, and it always gets the best response, especially with this year and the, uh, because of the way the, this position group has played in the past couple of years, is who's starting at cornerback and who's starting nickel and how it always rotated in and out like that. Like people eat I that have, up and they love are it. Are you as fascinated as I am? Because you're right. The people eat it up and love it. And, and that's certainly one aspect to, to what it is we do. We have to produce content that people are interested in, or we, we should if we want more people to listen. Yeah. Uh, there are those amongst us who are more arrogant and just don't do that, but it, it vacillates, I think, for, over time. Are you as shocked as I am that people give a shit about that? Like, I remember the first day of training camp, there was so much noise about the reps that were being taken by the quarterbacks. And is this disrespectful to Jameis Winston? <laughs> Guys, are you serious? Like, I get it. We all wanted football to come back. We all love the game. Please take two steps back from that ledge and then take 10 more steps and don't <laughs> jump. But are you surprised by these sorts of things? Uh, no, because I'm, if you follow me on Twitter or, are, uh, you know, or follow the Petercast, uh, I'm, I'm active on Twitter. Overreaction uh, to the smallest, minute, uh, I guess, thing that you see at, at training camp, especially when it involves the quarterback, it's not shocking. Um, was I interested to see what the reps were going to be day one? Yeah. Was I going to talk about it? No. Yeah. You know, it would have been like, okay, this is what Griffin did, this is what Jameis did, but that's it. You know, and to, to watch the first day of training camp and then make your opinion, that's how the rest of the training camp is going to go, or, you know, make an opinion that Dirk Cutter's doing the wrong thing or the office coordinator's doing the wrong thing, it was, it's, but... Like I said, when you're in Twitter, you just expect it. And so, no, I wasn't shocked. Um, That's fair. What I was shocked, just real quick, and and you can go, was the whole Jameis t-shirt thing on Instagram. (laughs) That I was shocked. (laughs) And I think a lot of it was just the whole, you know, are they punishing Jameis? Or, you know, is this uh, a disciplinary thing that Cutter is trying to do? And uh, I think they just took it to a whole different level. And, And it was really Buccaneer soap opera, what it turned out to be. It was something to talk about day one at camp. Exactly. And, and we rail against this, and maybe we won't perseverate over it too much on this podcast, but the soap opera nature of sports media, has it just continues to grow. Um, I think that it has probably surpassed Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which is amazing. Um, but well, th- fortunately, uh, that seems... You, we found our pockets. We talked about this literally right before the show. <laughs> yeah. Whether There's so many podcasts out there now. There's yep. so many video podcasts. There's so much print material available. Everyone and their brothers got some sort of content. And the nice thing is you can find, you can, as my friend Ronnie said, get in where you fit in. Yep. Right? Find the style you like, the cadence you like, the, the material you like. Um, sometimes that, that means finding an echo chamber, which you know, we all try and get out of if we can to find disparate views and determine whether or not our perceptions are accurate. Yep. Sometimes we're looking for that echo chamber. We want people to, to say the things that we say so we feel like we're not stupid. Um, but JC, now you came out to a couple of uh, training sessions as yep. well. What, what was your takeaway from training camp this year? Compare contrast to training camp in the past. Um, I thought it was a little bit more disjointed the way that they have the fan situated. Uh, it was a little mm-hmm. bit more. I, I did. I loved the whole session where they broke it into you know part of it is outside and then part of it's in the indoor facility, which is absolutely amazing. I love the indoor facility, uh, but. That where they have the fans just kind of sitting in the grass, and you know, it, it, it seemed uh, d- as a disservice to the fans. You know, it, 
I know that you can that the season ticket members usually got the premium seats and everything because they got in a half hour early. They got in a half hour early, but uh, I still thought that was kind of disservice to just the everyday regular fan who just you know was there to support the team and wanted to go to training camp, and they have to stand in the back, you know, trying to trying to to see through a whole bunch of people's heads. Uh, trying to watch practice. I thought it was just crazy that they, that they did it that way. Yeah, I, I bitched about that for a couple of weeks, and then I moved past it. Uh, people seem to get over it pretty quickly. I don't disagree. Um, what we had heard was, well, what are other people in the league doing? I don't necessarily give a shit what anyone else in the league is doing. We used to have a f- pretty phenomenal experience. I think it can, I think it's still a pretty good experience. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah, think they, I, I don't want to say it's it's bad. I just I just yeah. thought it was it's not as as up to the level as it has been in the past uh, as an experience for the fans. Now I I do think they tried to make it a little bit more fun. Like they have like the little gaming area or whatever it is that they've yeah, always had that. Yeah. And, and and I think that it, it just kind of I, there's there could have they could have put up some temporary bleachers. I think. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think they could have done it better. We'll see what they do next year. I mean, yeah. the the one thing the staff seems to be willing to do is to learn from the mistakes and make yeah. some changes. I think the indoor facility is fantastic. Everyone seems Absolutely. to love it. Uh, the coaches clearly don't love it unless it means that you have they get to practice when the weather's bad. Yeah. Other than that, and we talked about that as well. But let's let's get into the actual football aspects. We sure. got one game under our belt against the Dolphins. Uh, victory, but the victory wasn't the important part. The performance on the field was important. Uh, Stevie T was released today, waived, injured. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, they signed a guy from Carolina whose name I don't know because I don't pay attention to that because I suck. Um, but they replaced one fat guy in the middle with another fat guy in the middle. Uh, Stevie T wasn't moving well in Miami. He hasn't been particularly great in the past. That doesn't mean he can't grow into a good player, um, but they waived him injured. I suspect that leaves the door open for them to bring him back when he's allegedly not injured anymore. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know he was hurt. Uh, yeah, it's funny how that happens. Um, <laughs> Just like it was last year. Yeah. Hurt. Hurt. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we have seen footage from Tennessee, and what's great to me, uh, and, 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 you know, interestingly enough, as the Bucks coverage has evolved, even the mainstream media Bucks coverage has evolved, we have a lot more people making the trip to Tennessee now yeah. than we've ever seen in the past. And, yeah. and I'm happy. Like, that's not a salty comment. Like, great. Get your asses up there. You, people didn't want to drive to Orlando back in the day. Now <laughs> yeah. they're flying to Tennessee to see this team practice. Yep. But we saw more video of Buccaneers beating the shit out of an opposing team in practice that was was strikingly reminiscent of them beating (laughs) the shit out of Jaguars players uh, and making us feel as though we had a chance to win. I'm going to go to Ren, and and Ren, what's your take from what you saw in some of those videos? What do you as a fan take from it, and what do you as someone who's seen a lot of training camp take from it? Well, as a fan, of course, I loved it, you know. Uh, But I'm also smart enough, as I think most fans are, that... You can't take one play of JPP beating an all-pro tackle as that he's going to do that all the time. Like, right. every time the ball's hiked, he's going to do that. You know, Mike Evans, uh, you know, catching a fade around the corner of the end zone, uh, making Malcolm but- Butler look stupid. He's not going to do that every play. Okay, we know that. But it's good to see. It's better than not seeing it. What I did find interesting was I found a Twitter thread today from someone who covers the Titans. And if you read his Twitter thread the Titans beat the crap out of us. Yeah. In, in fact, <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that, Ren, because I was reading uh, SB Nation's version of... Uh, I was reading SB, SB Nation's version of uh, Bucks Nation. I guess it's called Music City Miracles or something like that. But anyway, they, their take on what happened on, on Wednesday was that the Titans completely dominated practice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's not what our folks are saying. <laughs> that's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get bias, I think, yeah. when that comes. It's interesting you bring up the JPP one because that was the one that made all the news. Yeah. <clears throat> and what's interesting is while he was going against an all-pro tackle, he was going against an all-pro tackle 
who was terrible in that play. Um, what, what I've always heard that called in offensive line coaching is Frankensteining. Now, in so much as people care about these nuances, and if you haven't watched the video, go out and watch the video. It's JPP essentially using two swats and going outside in on uh, Lawan. The challenge is for the tackler, for any offensive uh, player, you don't shoot your gun until you know you're going to make contact. So they're, gonna, they're supposed to keep their hands locked and ready until they know that the defensive player is close enough for them to shoot those hands out and either make impact, if that's what they're trying to do, or get under their pads inside of the girdle. What Luan did was he essentially Frankenstein. He put his hands out too far. Mm-hmm. He overreached. And as soon as you do that, any decent defensive lineman with hands will beat you and beat you soundly, which is exactly what happened because the first thing he did was get him off balance with a right, uh, a right sweep and then came across with the club. And Luan had no choice, no, no chance. As soon as his arms went out early, that rep was over. And it, what's funny is a coach watching that rep didn't even care how it finished. Because the rep was, it was just a bad rep for the offensive lineman. Yep. Now we have seen, all of us have seen, JPP go against offensive linemen who did everything right. Fired the gun on time, made good contact, and still beat the shit out of them. Yep. That's more exciting than the, than the play there. Like you said, with the Mike Evans catching the fade over someone. No shit, yeah. he's Mike Evans, mm-hmm. right? Um, the one that was interesting with Mike Evans that I saw, and I forgot who he was going up against, he gave a, essentially a triple move. Um, was it a Dory Jackson? No, it was uh, Malcolm Jing. I think it was Malcolm Butler. Both Malcolm Butler. The one where he came back across on him, yeah. where he gave him a stab step on a nine and yeah. then came right back across his Butler. face. And I'm pretty sure Butler's underwear are still on the field somewhere yeah. because it was sick. Now, that was interesting to see. Yeah. But your point is going, like, Tennessee's sitting there going, oh, yeah, we manhandled those Buccaneers up here. Yeah. You know, um, I did see today in reading some of the stuff from PewterReport.com. Uh, a little more even, right? A little bit more even, and Chris Conti had apparently a pretty good set of practices, and he hasn't been having particularly good practice or particularly good. He didn't look particularly good in Miami. See, this is something else that, that I find interesting, and this is this is not just a Tennessee Bucks thing. Like, I'll be at practice in those you know those two days where I got to get extra close, and I would take a video of something, and I would see it, and what I saw and tweeted out, and then I would see somebody else being you know whoever else is out there taking video, they would they would capture it from a different angle, and the way we thought who won the play or who broke the play down was totally different. Yeah. yeah. And it was the same exact play. That's that's kind of weird how you two people can see the exact same play and have a completely different opinion on what what happened. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, you know, Alex Kappa be, beat JPP here. It would have been like, JPP had him if he wouldn't have slipped. Yeah. Like, it was, it, it's... So that's, that's an interesting take on that one, right? That's a matter of perspective differential. One of the other things I saw, and I forgot which the offensive lineman was. It wasn't Jensen. It, wasn't defense, it was a defensive lineman. Uh, was it Curry? It's the other one. Shit. One of the new guys. Uh, Not Bo Allen. Other one. Unrein. Unrein. Mitch Unrein. Uh, and it was Pewter Report who called him out for getting handled in a pass protection drill. Oh, yeah. And Unrein uh, ripped yeah. into him, but it wasn't a pass protection drill. Know what you're talking about before you tweet about it. Yeah. Right. Listen, that's not necessarily on Pewter Report. I get it. They try to be overly specific in the drill. And sometimes if you don't know what the drill purpose is, you mm-hmm. don't know if someone got beat. Like, there were times where we were watching defensive line uh, uh, versus offensive line, like side, side bias, where it's a defensive end against a, a, a center, a guard, and a tackle, or just a guard and a tackle. And what it seemed to be, the purpose was, you need to work inside. So if the offensive lineman got you outside, even if they beat you around the outside, the play design that they're telling you you're protecting is already underneath. The outside route is not an opt- option for you. If you don't know that, if you don't have the script, you don't really know what the hell's going mm-hmm. on. That's like when, you're, like when we try and interp- or extrapolate, actually, from what we see on the tape, yeah. how well they did in a particular defensive set. 
that's one of the things I've always had a problem with with pro football focus is how do they how do they grade when they don't really know what that person's responsibility was on that particular play? Get out offensive line grades like yeah. an hour after the game. Exactly. No. Yeah. So. <laughs> But all that goes back to Chris Conti, and it's why it sort of sparked me thinking about that, was because, yes, uh, Bucks people were like, Chris Conti, pick off in the end zone. You see it from the Titans side, tipped ball, Chris Conti grabs it. Right. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so, but as you're reading it from the Bucks side, you're like, oh, look, Conti, you know, made a good play in the end zone, picked it off. Yep. And then from the Titans side, it's, it was a pass breakup that went in the air and it fell in his lap. No, it's, it's, the tip drill is always interesting because you, you definitely see, even here you see it, like great interception by such and so. Yeah, it was a duck that was flopping around and they managed to catch it. <laughs> um, Ryan Smith, Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Versus, versus stepping in front of a slant or something like that. Um, but uh, the, the PFF thing, let's go back to the PFF thing. And my Conti comment was really more about the hits, right? He apparently laid lumber on a couple of the running backs. By, it wasn't doing it intentionally. Chris is not a dirty player. He yeah, never he, has he been. He drilled Deion Lewis and started a little scuffle there. Started a bit of a scuffle because yeah. you're not supposed to be going full contact. And I get it. And you're going to have scuffles like that. But it, we're a better team with Conti in there if he's playing the way Conti can play. We're a much better team if they have a safety rotation where all of them can play and they yeah. can start getting creative with defensive backs. But PFF, I've long been uh, a supporter, air quotes, okay. air bunnies as some would say, um, of PFF simply because there's nothing better out there we can gain access to. That's true. As long as Fair they're enough. consistent with the way they grade, then you can do whatever adjustment you want to to what they do. Right? If you feel as though they typically overvalue uh, run blocking for offensive linemen, now you have to pay attention enough to care. You have to go look at it yourself. Now that's the part that I always get a kick out of people kicking dirt in the face of PFF about. I bet they didn't watch all 22 as much. You know, <laughs> there's a there's occasionally one where they do, but most of the time it's like, well, those grades don't mean shit. What are your grades for them? How'd you grade them out? <laughs> True. That's no that that's and you know every time I say this story probably three times a year on the Petercast is I have the love hate relationship with PFF. Like when they say something about a Buccaneer that I like and it's not any good, I'm like, well, these guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, these guys. But, are but good. when it's like, hey, look, Levante Davis in the 90 percentile yeah. and like the third best linebacker in the league. Oh, well, of course he is. Then, then you, I, I, then yeah. you trump that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, retweet that out. All right. Way to go, PFF. So agreed. But the only problem is what I see. What you said. Um, we don't know how PFF scores. Right. Yeah. And so you can't, you can't, and... And who's doing the scoring. They, they've never... JC, really... you're going to have to get back in the mic, buddy, because I've got Ren who's swallowing the mic, which is exactly right, and I've got you who's afraid of the mic, and that's just not going to work. <laughs> I'm not going to go back in and edit this. So they're going to be like, hey, why was JC in the studio? We can't fucking hear him. And I'm going to be like, listen, the guy's a professional filmmaker. He should know how to use a mic. <laughs> you're so, right. I should. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, go back to what you're saying. I'm sorry to interrupt the stream, but I've got people going, what the fuck is JC saying? I'm like, I don't know. I'm sitting across <laughs> the table from him, and I don't know. No, uh, well, so, and I was going to do sort of a little bit of self-promotion here where I've started, you know, uh, I, we'll call them, I think we call them DAX stats, uh, where uh, I'm, sort of, I'm charting how plays that matter in playmakers. And you can go to my Twitter feed, and it's pinned at the top, and you can, and please, you know, I need some interaction about how you think the scoring system should work, a little bit back and forth. But uh, this is something that I want to give Bucks fans throughout the year to know how these guys are actually doing like because and here's just an example it's uh third and three and um they run the ball up the gut and levante david tackles them for a four-yard gain okay they get the first down that's bad uh they got four yards that's bad 
But on the stat sheet, Levante David's getting a, a point for the tackle, you know? Right. Uh, under my system, that doesn't count. Like, because it's, it's like two yards or less. It's a whole complicated mess, but... And if there's a tackle for loss, you get a, do you get extra points for you, that? You get one point for tackle okay. for loss. Basically, what I'm saying is when you can't sort of uh, take away from PFF or, you know, change it the way you want to because you don't know the way they score, yep. this year for Buck fans, there's going to be a way where you'll be able to see that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. Well, and we were talking a little bit about that before the show, and you've got it pinned to your Twitter handle as well, how you derive those stats. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the interesting piece will be once you collect data, how well that data can be used to look back at the game and say, well, does that data represent what we actually saw? Because if it does, then it becomes authoritative to a certain degree, and that's really cool that you took on the the effort to do that uh, and create your own version of sort of football outsiders in a different way, which is very cool. Um, Let's move on to coaching changes. Um, there were a couple this offseason. I, of course, have been, like everyone else, banging the drum about Buckner. Yep. Um, let's talk about Buckner versus Smith and what we expect out of this defense, especially in light of the Twitter comments that are coming back and forth from old players, talking about we only ever ran two coverages. Do we expect to see a difference in the regime uh, and the play calling on defense, or do we expect this to be more of the same? JC, go ahead and start it out. I'm a little worried because, uh, and granted, I know that the first preseason game is always the most vanilla uh, game plan that you're going to have, but I saw a lot of basically the same defense we saw all of you know last season, all of 2017. Uh, the same kind of passive coverages, this, the same, uh, not necessarily the same games because uh, obviously Buckner doesn't have the, the same nonsense that uh, Jay Hayes used to have, but... Uh, I saw a lot of the same uh, type of play calling uh, that that you normally that that you basically saw all of 2017, and it, that concerned me a lot. Um, I'm hoping that he'll be more aggressive. I hope he'll you, he'll he'll be he'll take the Bill Belichick way of doing things, and that's uh, adjusting your scheme to your talent. He's got a lot of press corners uh, on his on his roster. Mm-hmm. I would like to see us do a lot more press. But he's an off-corner coach, you know. So it's it concerns me that he's going to try to s- stick that square peg into the round hole, and it's just going to be ineffective. Um, I want I want to challenge the off-corner coach thing because I I've heard a lot of people say it. Um, I don't believe there is such a thing as a rule. I think that good coaches, and I think Mike Smith is a good coach, despite the way things turned out last year. They use the clay that they have. Now, this is the challenge we had on the flip side of it, on the offensive mm-hmm. side. When you see, you know, tons of cushion, you're not going underneath those routes. That's that's being pigheaded. Don't don't run your receiver into anything, right? Um, let them go into space. But on defense, yes, you've got guys who can play good, play well in press. The next question you have to ask is, what's the rest of your defense capable of doing? Because if you play right. press, unless you're a lockdown man corner, yeah, Brent Der- Revis Brent in his prime, be, yeah, right. I can't put you on an island yeah. forever. So I, I may get five seconds, maybe, right? With the defense that we had last year, we still weren't to the quarterback. We it. were still asking yeah. for directions at the Circle K and getting some <laughs> drinks. Yeah, of course. So we really couldn't do that a lot. Now, that, that all being said... Can we do it with this defense? Can we do it with this defense? Yes. And how do you combine these things? We talk about Everyone talks about press and then off. And there's a myriad of other coverages. Yes, there are variations on a the theme. And yes, you can roll coverage underneath. And yes, yep. you can go cloud. And yes, you can go all these different things. Mike Smith has to show that he can get the team to execute those things consistently and to execute without thinking. 
So the first question always becomes, what's in the cupboard? Do we have more talent? And I think we do. Ren, what are your thoughts about the cornerback specifically and the talent and what Mike Smith can do maybe with them, even if you don't believe he will, which is a fair <laughs> yeah. and legitimate position? And can they play press? I mean, I th- that, but I don't think that that's the question. I, yeah. People people have turned press into a religious debate. It's yeah. not a religious sure. debate. You press people, you can press. I'm not going to go try and press Julio Jones. I don't give a shit who my corner is. Fair enough. I don't press Julio Jones because yeah. you know why? He's going to beat him. Yeah. And I'd like that not to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Get a look at that. Uh, well, let me start this by saying uh, I'm not a coach. I'm not a scout, and I don't break down players. So basically, it's from what I've seen, and and uh, basically, I'll just be aping what. People have said that people that I trust that I follow, uh, you know, throughout Buck's Twitter and Facebook and and Buck's fandom, I guess. uh, I think our defensive backfield has gotten a lot more athletic. Um, I think it's gotten a lot more diverse and with a lot more interchangeable parts. Uh, We will see. This is a make or break year for Vernon. We know that for VH3. Um, Also, you know, we talk about Grimes about being the best corner on the team and he is but he didn't have a great year last year i mean he had a much better year the year before in my opinion uh so if we get brent grimes of last year it's still not it's not this shutdown corner that everyone talks about because he's just just because he's the best corner on your team doesn't make him a shutdown corner now is he good yeah is he very good yeah but i but once again i just didn't think he had the year like he did last year uh plus that could have been due to some injuries now, um, are we including safeties in this conversation? Absolutely. You All have right. to because they work in concert. Yep. So uh, the safeties, I'm with you on Chris Conti. Uh, you know, I've always thought that he got a bad rap. It's just that he started so poorly with the team in the Arizona where it was sort of a close game, and then he had two balls thrown over his head right before halftime, and he never really covered that through fandom, in my opinion. Well, it wasn't just that. It also, you know, he came with a bad rap from Chicago. The Chicago fans trashed him on the way out the, you know, when he, when he got – when he came to Tampa, so yeah, uh, the, the fans trash him, but the yeah. players who played with him said that the fans are full of shit. That he of was course. playing at seventy yeah. percent all year and still played harder than most of the guys on the roster. And that's the interesting piece is if you pay too much attention to fans, you're going to have wrong information. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean that the players have all the right information because they're not going to be like Conti's a jagoff, unless they're Jalen Ramsey, in which case they're going to say Conti's a jagoff. Yeah, but injuries do matter, and safety is that last line of defense. And like you said, sometimes. Conti's covering for someone who blew coverage. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exonerate him for all of his ills. And last week in Miami, God knows, he took some just terrible angles. He did. And then when you get there, for fuck's sake, I don't care who you are, tackle Make somebody. Tackle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're not going to get into the tackle conversation. Oh, there God. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. We'll have a two-hour pod. Uh, next thing you know. Been there, done that. We'll be up, like, like showing, like, okay. <laughs> tackle techniques. This, this chair this, right here is this, a linebacker. This is a tackle tube. We brought tackle tubes into the, uh, the podcast studio. So um, to finish up on Chris Conti, uh, I think he's where he – what I like about most about Chris Conti, I think he's where he needs to be when he needs to be there. Now, he did, like Derek said, he took some, some pretty terrible angles in, in, in Miami. Uh, he didn't make all the tackles that – I would expect him to make uh, Justin Evans, super athletic, you know, sideline to sideline center fielder. I think Whitehead's in that mold might even bring a little more thump. It's a little early. It's, you know, everyone yeah. would his first hit and was like, Oh, okay. But you need to see more than that. Um, but now Justin Evans is like, I'm sure we'll get to eventually. Now he's, he's sort of getting in the playing nickel, with the nickel, yeah. playing with the nickel. Dude, why? Anyone who shows up getting thrown in the nickel, man, yeah. it's crazy. It's because you know why? Cause he's athletic and apparently yeah. they think he has a skill set to be able to cover tight ends and, and, you know, smaller slot receivers and we will see. So I don't know if we're going to call that Justin Evans a nickel or are we going to call that a three safety look? 
Yeah, big, big I, I, and I would. I, that's big, a really big nickel. Yeah, yeah, both really good questions, right? Um, what do you call it? What I call it is good strategy if you think your safety can get to the quarterback. Yeah, I've never been a fan of a safety blitz, generally speaking, because if you take that guy from like the concession stand, there's a lot more ground to cover. Yeah, and, and I may not be the smartest man in the world, but I think that takes longer. Yeah, the the, the nickel corner is blitz he? usually is a lot more effective. Like nickel, Ronde, Ronde Barber. Ronde Barber, when he's playing nickel, yeah. get off that edge if you can get that jump in. So if they keep doing things like this, with Buckner, first three steps upfield, with the linebackers showing a lot more blitz looks in training camp, we don't mm-hmm. see that in preseason because you're not going to see that. We're not going to show a lot of that, and that's fine. Now we're moving more guys close to the line of scrimmage. Now, what this will do is take anyone who was in the Derwin James camp and absolutely <laughs> stoke the flames of those yeah. guys because Derwin James Here is a come. physical monster, yeah, without a doubt. And, and it doesn't you, help that Villa has been hurt for Two weeks. No, no, and, and there was a great conversation on the Pewter uh, Nation podcast uh, with Ian Beckles they had recently where they were talking about that. So do you draft a, a Vita Vea to, to come in and maybe play second and develop into something? Do they think he's going to develop into the replacement for Gerald McCoy? I don't think anyone really believes that that is true, that he'll ever right. slim down and be fast enough to be a three technique in this kind of a defense. But if you really just got him to take pressure off of Gerald McCoy – but passed up a player who could be a dynamic playmaker on every snap of defense, does that make sense? And it, it's a good argument. We said that yeah. draft day, I had been a very anti-Derwin guy, not personally, because I actually do know Derwin, and it's not about him not being a good player. It's, I didn't think it was a good fit. I didn't think that the value was there. But the more we started talking about these things, the more I came around in the podcast right before the draft, I was like, listen, if he's there, you really have to take that long, hard look at it. But Peter Report had it right. They had Vita Vea as the, as the pick, and that's who the pick was. We should talk about that right now. What are your thoughts about Vita Vea? I know we haven't got a chance to see him, but the concept of him, assuming he was healthy and can be what they think he can be, monster, moves fast, gobbles up people. Uh, this is what I think, and uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that I love Jason Light. I, I love what he's done with this roster since he's been here. Um, I will argue with anybody that he's the best GM, uh, mostly because, which brings up a good argument, because it's something I you put out on Twitter today I never thought about, um, yes, I liked Rich McKay as well because he brought us, you know, sort of the you know the golden age of Buccaneers and drafted them, but put the team in salary cap hell where we couldn't keep them all. Now you brought up a point was that was that really his fault or was that somebody else? Because I don't really know. I wasn't in it deep enough if he was actually the capologist guy or not. He was. He was. Okay. And, and you now he had a team as well. Now Rich is Rich is, is and was brilliant. A smart guy, lawyer, mm-hmm. like legit smart dude. Um, the question, the reason I asked the question was more. Was he instructed to do so, right? Because when you look at football, not everyone builds the way the Patriots build or the Seahawks were trying to build, and and successfully did for a solid seven years, right, where they're building for this long run. It definitely seemed like once they realized that they had a narrowing window. Got to go for it. You got to go for it. I I don't care for it in hell. And when the the ridiculous debate that still rages on to this day, mind-numbingly, about winning with Dungy's team, <laughs> the question always was, would you take one Super Bowl win if it meant 20 years of just absolute ineptitude? And almost everyone says yes. yes. And, and we're, if, we're feeling it now. And if that's true, yeah. welcome to what you asked for, motherfuckers, because yep. that's what it took. <laughs> yep. You know? They traded away a bunch of shit for Gruden. Everyone thinks Gruden's an asshole, except for he came in and did win. Yep. Right? He's out in Oakland. Who knows what the hell he's going to do out there? We were joking Suck. around off. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I watched him. Marshawn Lynch is running pretty well behind a, an offensive line technique from, I don't know, 1974. Yeah. You know, eventually the defensive coordinator will pick up on it. They'll you go know, back maybe, to the Maybe Gruden film. is crazy like a fox because uh, 
he's bringing back a, a, an offense that hasn't is not in the NFL anywhere. I'm telling you, if he runs, <laughs> he's running the wing T or Veer. <laughs> If he breaks out a wing tee, I'm going to shit myself. All he needs is sunshine at quarterback. And, uh, <laughs> sunshine, Ronnie Bass. Yeah, I'm undefeated. Uh, so to start, I guess, the, the uh, Vita Veda conversation, um, uh, I, sometimes I feel that Jason Light overfixes things. Mm-hmm. Like we have a glaring need, and I trust him to fix it, but he almost goes overboard with it. Like two years ago, it was wide receiver. Okay, Uh Vincent Jackson got hurt. Um, we couldn't find anybody to replace him, so it was the Mike Evans show. Okay, so we come in the next year, and he gets Deshaun Jackson. And mm-hmm. then he drafts Chris Godwin. And now we're looking at sort of at this year, like, okay, we got all these wide receivers. Um, thank you for fixing it, but now we're going to have to release players that, you know, should be on our team. Yep. The same thing happened this year with defensive line. Now, it's a little, I guess, exasperated. I'm not even sure if that's the right word. Exacerbated. <laughs> thank you. Uh exacerbated because JPP sort of fell in the left to yeah. fell in their lap. But, you know, Curry, Unrine, uh, Allen, and then uh, drafting Vita Vea, and then with JPP falling in their lap for a third rounder, well, the defensive line is fixed now. And now we're getting to the point where, like, is Will Golston going to make this team? Right. Are we going to keep eight? Are we going to keep nine? Are we going to keep ten? Well, we, yeah, we want to keep ten because we like these guys, but then what about receiver? You know, are we, we, we're five? Can we keep six? Tight end? Four. I'd like yep. to keep five, though. Linebacker. I want to keep six linebackers. Yep. So we're at this point where you can't keep them all. Like, you can't do this extra thing. So um, I, I can't honestly give you an opinion about what I think about the Vivea draft pick over the Derwin James draft pick or someone else who could have helped you sure. immediately. Uh, but what I will say is when there's a problem, Jason Light fixes it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really good point and well-articulated, and I hadn't thought about it, though we probably have had conversations around the ramifications of it multiple times. When you look at who you're going to cut, first of all, unless Will Golston comes out this week and has a three-sack performance and stuffs the run and is just everything that Will Golston could have been uh, prior to his contract, I don't think Will Golston makes his team based on what I've seen in training camp and what I saw last year. I think there's guys playing much better football than he is. Yeah, agreed. But his money's guaranteed whether they cut him or not. They don't care. But next year he only makes half that, and the year after that only goes up a million. The year after that only goes up. A million. I honestly think, and I know that this is an unpopular position because everyone thinks that the Glazers are back there counting coins and stacking money up and twirling their mustachios. Right. Not you specifically, <laughs> but a lot of people think that that's that's how they manage their money. I don't know that they really care. I'm talking about for salary cap for. We, we're not gated by this. He's not enough to gate us from anything. Yeah, sorry. That's fine. No, he's not, he, he doesn't stop us from going and signing someone necessarily. Now, it may not be the best cap move to do it, but he's been enough. He's been bad enough, and there's been enough of a crevasse between him and the next defensive lineman. I just don't think he's played well enough to play, and I like Will. And that's yeah. a fair argument. I, I genuinely like him. I like him as a human being. I like him on the field when he plays well. I think he has some physical attributes that should make him hard to block. But, Jesus, he has regressed in the last two seasons. Yeah, and, and really, you can't have uh, you know, the 53 best players that you know, have guaranteed money. It's the 53 best players on the roster. So if Will Golston is not one of those 53 best players, he, he shouldn't be on the roster. Same thing with Catanzaro. If Catanzaro can't make extra points and field goals, then – Guess what? We're going to find another kicker, even though he's guaranteed three. Million and we can dollars. find six more who can't kick. Yeah. I mean, we have proven a proficiency at finding <laughs> kickers who can. We're really good kick. at it. <laughs> kickers Super. and fullbacks can't find them. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Keep drafting you know, them though. You know who needs fullbacks though? John Gruden. 
Johnny Johnny Gruden <laughs> needs some fullbacks out there in Oakland. Um, no, your point's a good one, and that's a conversation you have after you get to the end of the roster. Yeah. And the ownership comes back, and they talk to the GM, and they talk to the coach, and they say, okay, here's the stack based on how we allocated money, and mm-hmm. here's who we expected to make the team, because we've got that list already. Yep. <laughs> here's where we ended up. I'm docking your salary, because this sucked. But for fans, we don't care. Let's go to impressive. Who are you expecting big things out of in Tennessee this week, JC? I'm hoping I'll see some good stuff from uh, Ronald Jones. I'm a little worried about Ronald right now. Uh, apparently he had another rough day at, uh, during uh, the, the practice with the Titans today. He'd fumbled twice. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not putting a good impression right now. And I'm also looking forward to seeing uh, Sean Wilson as well because I've heard so many great things from the Peter Report guys about Sean Wilson. Uh, he seems to be a cutter guy. Uh, so I, I want to see him actually in a, in a football game, you know, Running the ball, returning kicks. Let's see what this kid's got. Ren? Uh, you know, I, I hate to, you know, sort of be a broken record, but Sean Wilson is also the guy. I was extremely disappointed when he got hurt like two days before the Miami game. I was yeah. like, no, because I was at that practice, and he, the first day he walked out without his pads on. I was like, oh, no. Um, am I worried about Ronald Jones? Yeah. Um I'm just going to watch it for now. Yeah. Um, and you know, and the running back's another position I didn't even mention about, you know, we want to keep five. Like, you know, it's like people <laughs> want to keep five. And it's like, okay, well, that's, it, it can't happen. But uh, what I expect, this is what I want to, what I most want to see. I'm not worried about the quarterbacks. I'm not worried about the offensive line. I'm not worried about anything on offense right now from what I saw in Miami. What I'm worried about is the first team, whatever the rotation is, defensive line stopping the run. Oh, yes, absolutely. That is what I'm worried about. That was probably the most disappointing thing about the Miami game was how Miami seemed to be able to run it well against us. Will Clark uh, had a couple of really good plays set in the edge, uh, stopped the ball carrier for less than two yards, and JPP did it twice as well on the other side. But besides that, um, you were talking about – watching the drills and the player like shooting up the field, but he went to the outside. Well, that's not what we're trying to defend. Kind of like what Minnesota did to Gerald McCoy was they're like, okay, you're going to penetrate super fast. There you go. We're just going to run the ball like the other way or just, you know, have the guard turn around and seal you off and run right into the hole where you just left. Good film work. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. It's great film work. When you see someone show a tendency like that, which Gerald absolutely does, Mm -hmm. Minnesota just went, all right. Okay. Go you ahead. really like steaks. Here's a steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think that's you know obviously it's too early to panic and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But what really left a sour taste in my mouth was the first string defense run defense. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, so that's it. <laughs> so your your point on run defense is critical. I think it's really really important to see uh, gap integrity. Buckner does a lot of work in drills and training camp. Ren and I have watched him. Jason, you probably saw him too, usually over on field two, uh, where the defense's job is to try and find the ball, and then based on where the ball is progressing, they either have to have, if it's an edge player, they have to edge contain. If if the, the run is already committed inside, then they can shed to the inside. But this is one of those plays when you watch it on TV, sometimes it's tough. People see a cornerback come up and try and stop a play that's come around the end, and the cornerback takes the outside and misses the tackle. Like, oh, I can't believe you, you took the wrong angle. No. He's forcing the play back into help. That, that's actually what he's supposed to do. Now, ideally, he'd make some Herculean effort and also make the tackle. But he knows his first responsibility is don't let the motherfucker get to the sideline. Yep. 
because everyone has to traverse the whole field to get there. Force them to help. On the defensive line, fortunately, it's usually a little bit easier to understand. Like you said, edge contain. Our, our ends have got to get upfield, not too far that they can be run underneath, but far enough that that runner has to make a clear decision, right? If the linemen all end up in the gap they're supposed to be, then the linebackers know where they're supposed to go. And every time you hear anyone from the Super Bowl team in that era talk about that defense, the, the Kiffin uh, defense, um, Marinelli defense in many ways, it was about we never wondered if someone was going to be in their gap. Yep. Yeah. That's and, where you and, have to and, be. And if they were, they would always uh, look at that Jumbotron and say, what the hell were you doing? Why weren't you in your gap? Because yeah, yeah. they would correct it right there on the field. Well, and that was Warren Sapp said that in an yep. interview one time. He's like, we didn't ever have to wonder who screwed up. We knew immediately because we knew wherever gap it was, we knew who was supposed to be there. Yep. Right. And the question was, why the fuck weren't you there? Exactly. So the, what will be interesting to see is whether this coaching staff and whether it's the sort of excited Buckner that I'm liking, a lot of us like, or the reserve Smith, whatever the combination is, if this staff can get this defense to the point where they're playing fast and playing where they're supposed to. And while we have two of the best linebackers in the league, and I say that with any, without any fear of someone writing into the podcast saying, oh, you're just a homer, Levante David and Quan Alexander aren't that good, because if they said that, they're just dumb. Right. Those guys, we haven't seen the best of them yet. We've seen them playing through a shit front line. I cannot wait to see what these guys can do if they stay healthy and if the line can do what they're supposed to do. Derek Brooks and Ian Beckles said this on the Pewter Nation podcast. Derek Brooks wasn't Derek Brooks the first couple of years. Warren mm-hmm. Sapp wasn't Warren Sapp the first couple of years, right? All of those things had to come together. They coalesced into a defense. We talked about this, about the offensive line, the defensive line. It is a concert. Yep. They all have to be following the same choreography. And if they do, beautiful things can happen. That's when you see guys come through on an A-gap blitz and get a seven-yard sack or a, a strip sack and, and game-changing uh, results. And that, and that was one of the things that kind of concerned me when uh, Vinny Curry was on Sirius NFL Radio recently, where he actually mentioned that he has to kind of learn how to be the player that he was in Philadelphia, the attacking player in the Buccaneer scheme. And it, and to me, that kind of spoke like, well, what, we don't attack the same way that Philadelphia does? Apparently we don't. We have a different way of uh, of, of attacking the offensive line and, and, and having it work as a unit to, to be able to, to get to the quarterback. And uh, I guess one of the, one of the big things was that the defense just hasn't had a chance to gel yet. All these different pieces coming in, they haven't had a chance to really learn how to be together. Well, and, and Philadelphia's defense didn't have that early in the season. That's the other right. thing. We can't expect this to be a switch where game one of the regular season, all of a sudden this defense shows up and it's lights out because we had that against the bears. Yeah. Right. But and then, then, but then, but then it, it turned out not to quite be that. The but the Bears. problem is, is it kind of needs to be, Derek, because uh, we might. Oh have, no, we, we start zero and three, and then we don't ever get into I'm, the playoffs because yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! If I hear it one more time, it's almost impossible to win in New Orleans. Go fuck yourself. No. I go to New Orleans every year. It's not yeah. almost impossible. We've taken shitty teams with Velcro name panels on and almost beaten New Orleans in I the agree. mighty Drew Brees. Everyone needs to get the fuck over this prognostication based on no data. Uh, and, and you're speaking to the choir here. I, I definitely am one of the people that think that the, the 0-3 stuff is just nonsense. Well, and it, it, statistically, it can happen. Of course. Right? You know what? You can win or lose. Yeah. It, it could be 0-2-1. Yeah. Who knows? We can cover <laughs> all the permutations. Yeah. The interesting piece to me is New Orleans isn't a juggernaut, guys. They're not unbeatable. They're not unbeatable. Yeah. We play well in that dome typically, right? 
I'm going to be there in the dome. The Bucks fans are traveling to that game, yep. even with Ryan Fitzpatrick starting. No one is sitting there going, oh, Jesus, I can't believe we have to play. It's not like someone fighting Tyson in his heyday, yep. right? Oh, shit, I'm going to get my ass kicked. And, and they've Can lost, I last and, out of the first round? And they've lost four straight openers. And listen, there's no Ingram. And yeah. what are they going to do? Like, people are talking about, like, that's a huge deal. Yeah, Mike, uh, Mark Ingram is yeah. not a huge loss. For them. He, he's a loss. He's a good he's, player. He's a good but, player, yeah. but, but the reality is it's just another team. Yeah. This team is a pro football team, whether it's got the second-string quarterback who's a vet who's won plenty of games or not. If you're that afraid that Fitzpatrick is the quarterback going to New Orleans, you were that afraid before. You were just yeah. as scared we'd go 0-3 before. So just fucking sack up and say it. You don't think we're very good. And that's okay. Yeah. You can do that as a fan or as a not fan. I don't give a shit. Say you think they're going to go in three. Yeah, I, I think I said that to Zach Blob, Blobner when they were uh, ha- they were filling in for uh, Ronnie and T. Kras on six twenty WDAE. They they were just going on about the zero and three thing, and and I, I tweeted him and I said, uh, if we are as good as we think we are, this is not an zero and three roster. You know, yeah, we should not be going zero and three, even with the form- formidable opponents that we have. Each, if we're as good as we think we're we're going to be then we shouldn't fear these teams. We should ha- come in with a mindset that, you know, damn it, we might be 2-1, and one. we might be 3-0. and oh. Who the hell knows? Well, and what's funny is this, there's been weeks of this conversation, Yeah. right? Actually, probably months at this point. As soon so, as the so, schedule came out. Well, as soon stric- as James got suspended. Out, Strictly yeah. speaking, months are just and, and even weeks more as well. And even more when James got suspended. <laughs> and even more weeks, when James no, got suspended. Well. <laughs> Did I really correct myself? That's a bit of a semantics debate. Um, when week one, and this discussion was totally... Moves, yes. Right? God, <laughs> I'm, I am so hoping we win week one. 0-3 just goes out the door. Yes. We don't have to give a shit about it anymore, which yep. would be great. Now, Greg DeCruz just said in the chat room, it was a great, um, a great point. We've talked about this on this pod. I think you guys talked about it on your pod as well. We've never had since, even in the heyday, right, another Hardy Nickerson, a guy that turns a defense's personality around. We had a different personality with Sap. Sap was fantastic. And in... I don't think you can give that to Derek or Rondé or to John. Yep. They did their parts, but Sap was the he was the balls. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um Hardy Nickerson was the balls. Hardy yes. Nickerson didn't take shit from anybody. The question becomes, did they go get one of these guys by accident? I know they thought they were getting a good a good pickup with JPP. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone who watched him play thought JPP was not a great pickup, especially for what we you know used to get him. We've seen JPP in training camp now. I don't see him yelling at people necessarily, but I don't. Mm-mm. We didn't have access to Hardy Nickerson back then either, right? It's true. But I do see him coaching the hell out of some people. Yeah. So, is he going to be like as much as I think Buckner maybe think? Because Buckner is he's yelling at people. I mean, right now he's yelling at someone, a subway <laughs> somewhere. He's yelling at someone, and he probably means it in a constructive way. Do you think JPP could be the Hardy Nickerson of this squad? Well, this is what I'll say about that. Uh, I think, especially on defense. Um, and I think a little bit has to do that it's uh, Quan's not ex- Quan Alexander's not exactly the best interview. He, he's a little hard to understand. Uh, that it's sort of a s- cerebral defense. Like Brent Grimes, a soft-spoken guy. Gerald McCoy is a soft-spoken guy. What I noticed for the first time uh, a JPP interview was after practice, and he got off the field, and one of the first questions was about, "Hey, they're putting you playing you at tackle, and they're playing you, you know, like like." How do you think about that? And he just goes, I can play all up and down the line, which makes me a great player. That's the first time I've Next heard that. Next question. That's the yes. first time I've heard that come out of a defensive player's mouth in a decade. Yep. Yeah. And I just went, huh. 
And you don't really, it's one of those things you don't really know it's missing until you get it back. Right. And so it's a great question. Once again, I can't answer it, <laughs> but <laughs> I can't say yes or no. But it seems that what I will say is that JPP here with the Buccaneers, he's, he's much more than anybody thought he was before he got here. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very solid thing. I think we all knew he could be good. Uh, every once in a while, he'll pop off a great game, right? Mm-hmm. What I've seen is a consistent level of effort that is uh, inspiring. If you were playing next to JPP, my guess is you better up your game. Because if you don't, when you're on the sideline, he's going to be in your ear about it. Did you see yeah. what he did to Taylor Moan? Tyler Moan? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? Did I did. Know? I saw that. There's a video yeah. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. He apparently has to do that every play. That, that's now the He's going to do it every play. I have video evidence. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree with Ren. I think he brought back the attitude that was missing from this defense for a while. I mean, there, it, Robert Ayers did bring it to an extent, but he didn't really have the play to kind of back it up. Yeah, least, he did it for like half a year. Yeah. And Anytime he was healthy, he yeah. could do it. When yeah. he wasn't healthy, he couldn't then, do then it. Then he struggled with it, yeah. Which, which speaks exactly, you know, Greg in the yeah. chat room following up his question, you know, he says, Buckner's great, but it's got to be a player who does that. It yeah. can't be a coach that does that. And it's a good point. Coaches can do a certain amount of it, but yep. the guy who's on the field has to do it. And the Ayers thing is a great compare-contrast, right? Because when he was healthy, he did that. Yep. The problem was he just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, and when he was healthy was when the Bucks defense actually was halfway decent <laughs> for, for a few games. He made a significant difference <laughs> yeah. when he was healthy, right, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and he wasn't a Pro Bowl player, but he was damn yeah. good. And JPP can definitely be that guy. I don't know if he can be a Hardy Nickerson, because Hardy – Pretty much changed the culture here. Yeah, yeah. He he. Right when he punched that Steeler in the face. Yeah, <laughs> that's what changed it. it was, everyone was like, yeah. "Oh, oh, wait a yeah. minute! So, oh, wait! Oh, we're allowed to do that?" Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the Buccaneers weren't the pastel uh, foot wipes from the tropics anymore. You know. Listen, we're coming up to the top of the hour. I know that you guys have things to do. I have things to do. Uh, let's let's talk about a little bit the Tennessee Titans. The the two things you're looking for: one on offense and one on defense that will represent a win. Because we really don't care about the score. It's mm-hmm. always better to win than to lose. But it's not like we're going to game plan this thing. Let's go to JC first. What do you want to yep. see on offense? And I, I know you said you want to see run stopping on defense, yep. but if, I don't know if you want to stay with that. Uh, I definitely want to see run stopping on defense. But in addition to that, I want to see the pressure that we've been expecting to see from this defense. I want to see JPP in the backfield. I want to see our, uh, Vinny Curry forcing guys to General McCoy like he did in, in week week one. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I need to see a running game from this offense. Uh, Peyton Barber looked really great. Mm. I want to see more Peyton. I want to see Ronald Jones be special. Uh, so far, I haven't seen it. And yet, people are talking about the offensive line. And, you know, well, he's running behind the, a bad offensive line. But you know what? Uh, there, are, there are young guys that, that are – Ernest Graham used to run behind some of the worst offensive lines in eight the world. Eight yards is eight and, yards. And he was Mr. August because he would always, you know, be able to, to, to produce. I want to see Ronald Jones produce a little bit. Fair. I'm going to go a little bit different because it's something I wanted to talk about. Uh, defensively, this is what I'll be looking for. I'll be looking for Vinny Curry. And the reason why I think this Vinny Curry, Gerald McCoy next to each other thing is going to be something special. Yeah, uh, I tweeted about this a little earlier, um, but you know this is a new audience. A lot of people, you know, don't know who I am or know what the Petercast is. Uh, there's a person between Gerald McCoy and JPP most of the time. All the hype that he's gotten, that we've talked about him here, he's well deserved. I'm not saying that he do- that it shouldn't be, but the sack that Gerald's got against Miami was because of Vinny Curry. Absolutely. Yep. You know, um, and then now Vinny Curry is moving to the inside of Gerald McCoy. On, on some uh, I'm not I don't know if it's if it's third down or passing down, but 
they also did like this text move, I guess, getting a little technical, but um, the guard had to come off Curry to get to McCoy, and it was too late. Yeah, that, that was the practice. I think these two guys, uh, we know that Gerald's pretty much unblockable one on one, and Vinnie Curry, from what I've seen, has proven that he can consistently beat one-on-one blocking. Not every time, but one-on-one blocking. And I think these two guys together on that side of the line, it's going to be something special to watch this year. So that's what I'll be watching uh, for on the defensive side. On the offensive side of the ball, just kind of more of the same, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess we could start – you could start picking apart that fifth and possibly sixth wide receiver spot. Uh, I know that, like, Phillips – and Sergio Bailey had good games, you know, drive, but they're not going to make the team. Nope. No. They're not. It's Lampman, and it's Martino, and it's... Watson. Watson. Yeah. I don't think Bernard Rudy has a chance, unless... I, I just don't. I, I really don't. I just I don't think Rudy's going to make it. I think it's those three guys for one, possibly two spots. Unless they decide to take Watson and, quote on air quotes, Red shirt him, IRM. <laughs> Put Lampman. He has a mysterious on, injury. Yeah, just it. like they did with Bell, just like they did with Bond, just like they do with Tui Kolovatu. They do that to Watson or Wilson, honestly. And then they put Lampman on the practice squad because he won't get picked up. And then they make room for, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, and then we haven't even talked about Bobo Wilson. Like, so yeah, that's, Bobo, yeah. That's where, we got, that's, that's where I'm going to be looking at for offense is, is who's – that's that's a crowded room, man. And who's going to yeah. shine in this? And you know, just because they whoever gets the most plays, something I learned last year was this linebacker got all these most plays. You know, especially the last two preseason games. I'm like, okay, oh, hey, great, this guy's going to make the team, and he didn't. It's because they just need bodies. They just yeah. need bodies. Like you know, they've already decided who's going to make the team. So just because they have great games doesn't mean they're going to make the team, but it can help them out. So offensively, I'm going to be looking at that fifth, you know, uh, slash possibly sixth wide receiver spot. So it's interesting hearing the things you guys are looking at, looking in the chat room. Uh, Real Bucks talk over in the Mixler chat room saying he wants to see more passing on first down, passes at the run, balances overrated, attack and score points. And, and I get what you're saying there. You're not going to see that in preseason. You, nope. you simply won't. You, you'll see all of those plays executed at different times throughout the game, but I don't think you're going to see anything that even remotely looks like a game plan or is a, a tendency that could be picked up in preseason. So... When I listened to the way Ren was dissecting it, looking to see who that last receiver is is intriguing mm-hmm. because chances are you're going to have injuries. So that last receiver really does kind of matter. Yep. Uh, it's not like that's a, you know, a weird, eccentric thing to be looking at. right? Is Bobo Wilson going to become the guy that people thought he could be? He certainly seems to have turned things around in training camp. He's playing well. No one's doubted his physical abilities. right? Yep. So, but Martino, when he's had a chance to play, has played well. Reedy has played well. right? So you've got guys who've got good burn, but what's their ceiling? Right, and that yeah. becomes the question. What's their ceiling? What do they do? Who can they go in for? The thing about Godwin that's powerful is Godwin can pretty much play anywhere on that, on that core. Right. right. XYZ, he doesn't care. Move him inside, move him outside. He's good. He's going to be fine. But there's still only one ball. Yeah. Right? So the receivers, when you get past number four, become insurance. Yep. Insurance, it matters. From injuries. Yeah, it, it, it matters a lot. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you still have OJ. You still have Cameron. So, I mean, there's, there's so many weapons on, on the offense in the passing game. It, you're right. It, it, it's really all about, you know, injury insurance. Everybody wants to see everybody perform, but there's still only going to be 53 to 60 plays. Mm-hmm. 
right? There's, there's going to be a small set of plays. Can we change that? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can play eight quarters. I'm sure the coach would love that in preseason. <laughs> mm, hashtag eight quarters. I think they would definitely Over, vote against overtime. it. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag six preseason games. Yeah. Well, what's funny is when, in high school, you used to scrimmage, you'd have a certain set of like 20 downs. And then you'd switch, and the other team would get 20 downs. And, and that was the way you would do your practice. That was your preseason games if it wasn't your spring game. And it was nice because you could just do situational football. You don't really give a shit. You're not trying to drive down the field necessarily. You're trying to run situational football. And that's why these joint practices become very valuable. Uh, I think with the reduction in contact, the value decreases significantly. Uh, but there was some contact uh, in, in those things. I think that uh, I'm going to look for that first offensive line uh, platoon to continue to impose their will. That that was very impressive yes. last week. I'd like to see it again this week. I, I want to see that continue. Uh, consistency. Consistency. Yeah. Now, I also like that I saw, you know, off, you know, fat guys six through nine come in and play well too. Yeah. That's great because we need to have those guys be able to step up, right? Um, whether it's the Kappas of the world or the, the Beninox, well, Beninox's not even a, a six through nine guy now, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Get those guys in there. They get the burn, and when they're in there, they're not getting abused. They're, they're moving the, the line forward. Your point about Curry, I love that whole concert, and you brought up a tech stunt, which we tried to run three years ago, four years ago, four years ago. We tried to run all these stunts, right? And there are a number of them in the book. Stunts are only as good as your execution, and a tech stunt specifically, or you know, uh, a tackle end cross is what that stands for, for anyone who doesn't know who's listening to the podcast, is really about when you make the move, because you cannot tip your hand on the move. And Chris, Chris Taylor, I think, is still in the chat room, uh, who's a legitimate coach and understands all of this shit far better than I probably do. But the, the interesting piece is the tackle that gets upfield cannot sell or tip his hat that he's kind of come back inside because he's got to get the tackle to kick step wide enough that when they make the shift, the guard has been pulled over enough that it's impossible to catch the, the uh, outside defensive player, right? It's very rare that your inside guy is the one that gets sprung. It can happen because your quarterback gets flushed. That only happens. It's like, a, which uh, is it Hoosiers or is it? Blue chips, and I know that that sounds bad to compare the two, but the coach is describing how you set a pick in basketball and how you run the player off the pick. It's not just the guy setting the pick. The guy setting the pick has the easiest job. Set chips. the pick. It's blue chips, right? Brute, uh, Butch, Butch, you got to take him down. That's he's talking to I Anthony just Hardaway. Know it's not Hoosiers. He's talking to Anthony Hardaway, who plays the Butch character from Chicago. So he tells him you got to take him down and run him off the pick. You've got to set him up, and it's the same thing with these stunts. I don't know that we'll get to see a lot of that, but man, Ren, I wish I could see that same thing too. So because I don't think we'll see it this week, I want to see linebackers running around creating havoc. That's what I would like to see. I know we're running short on time, but yeah. I, want, I want to tell it's a this. podcast. We go until we stop. I just want you to get home safe. <laughs> okay. It's like a six-day journey on the wagon train. I understand. <laughs> you know, Lieutenant Oregon Colonel Trail. Brian Fitzpatrick or whatever the hell, he's, he's going to be talking about your journeys. <laughs> and your dysentery. That's I was just going to go there. Oh, dysentery. Yeah. My little skeleton like a block and a half from the house. I almost made it. Uh, this is a question that during one of those, those uh, two credential days that I had, one of the highlights for me was I got to go to the press conference. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Yeah, and you know, I got to ask questions. The first day... Uh, I, there was pretty light as far as actually me members there, and I was shocked because how many people weren't there for Dirk Cutter had started. By the end, they sort of milled over. But I walked into the press conference, you know, under the tent, and Dirk Cutter locked eyes with me, and I locked eyes with him, and you know, he sort of looked down at my badge, and he, I could tell, like I'm. I couldn't tell, but I thought he was thinking, like, who the hell is this guy? Why is my press conference? <laughs> so I chickened out and didn't ask a question the first day. The second day, I, I, I plucked up some courage and actually asked three, two to Cutter and one to Mike Smith. And the one to Mike Smith was, 
and I'm going to paraphrase, it's been, it was reported that Jay Hayes was in charge of line calls and defensive line rotation last year. You know, it wasn't Mike Smith. And I basically asked him, is this courtesy going to be given to Buckner? And he was very clear. He didn't let me get the question out. And he was just like, no. And so it's going to be a group thing. And uh, he even said that the rotation even depends on the type of team we're playing, such as like a run-heavy team, which Tennessee was last year, but apparently they're trying to get away from it. But a power team, so that rotation is going to change. So all the I just want to sort of tell people, if this defensive line does what we're all hoping it does, uh, don't start touting Buckner as the next defensive coordinator because it, it's, it's, it's not – He's not getting the same leash that uh, was uh, given to Jay Hayes last year. I just want to throw that out there because I know a lot of people didn't hear it. No, it's it's a good question you asked. It, I'm always, you know, press conferences are hard, and this is why I'm so happy for the new the newer podcasts like yours uh, that, that are out there doing the hard work. They're doing the good work. They're asking the questions. You guys aren't jaded uh, by some of the stuff that, that maybe I'm jaded by. And what's funny is when I started, it's because I thought that the mainstream media was jaded. And they didn't care. Like you've become the, I've become the thing I hate in right, some ways, man. and I and I, I'll admit that because I'm not afraid to do that kind of shit. But rotations on defensive line, rotations probably the wrong word. Generally speaking, it's not really a rotation; it's situational substitutions. Um, True. And situations are dictated by team style. Great point by Coach Smith. Down and distance situation, right? So if we if it's third and long. We're putting in the pass rush package, right? Whoever that yep. happens to be. Who are the healthiest pass rush guys, yep. right? Get those guys in there. And that sounds like a gross oversimplification. In some ways it is. But generally speaking, guys, that's how this shit works. If they run draw and we're upfield and our linebackers miss a tackle, they get the first down. And that's why people run draws on third and long because mm-hmm. they work a lot of the times. <laughs> right? But everyone's like, I can't believe they handed the ball off. Really, go watch a 1,000 plays and see it work 500 times and have no chance of interception. So... It's, it's interesting that Coach Smith says that. I agree with your, your cautionary tale, though. A lot of times people see position coaches excel, or the, coach, the people they coach excel. They give credit to the position coach, and then they immediately ascribe uh, a victory in ascension to mm-hmm. the next role. And we have seen great position coaches make shitty next-level coaches. Todd, or coach Marinelli being yeah, a yeah. very good example. By far the best defensive line coach probably any of us will ever see in our life. And if you talk to the players who played for him, they would all say the same thing, was a crap head coach. Or had shit efficacy as a head coach. He may have been a terrific coach, and it just didn't work out. I thought you and the OED broke up. Listen, I can still use words. The British don't control my vocabulary. <laughs> Damn them Brits. All right, I want to thank Jason, JC Delatore for coming in. Uh, yep. Jason, uh, where can people get your, uh, your work? My work is at uh, transmissionsfromatlantis.com. God damn science fair geeks. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm a huge science fan. I am a science, f- science fiction geek. I do, I do both. I can't wait for your movie fiction. to come out, man. I'm going to be there. Appreciate I'm going to be there. And seekersofthelostworlds.tv is a good place to see the, like our movie trailer and all that kind of good stuff. And, of course, I'm always on whatthebuck.net. <laughs> he got there, didn't he? <laughs> yes. And, Ren, thank you again for making the journey. I hope the horses are, are well fed outside and ready for the journey back. Where can people find your materials, sir? Do I have to tip the Stable Boy, or is he taking care of? Stable Boy's good. Okay, good. Uh, at the where? Where am I? Jesus. Uh, hey, this is Brent's. This is Brent's area. He right now, Brent is gnashing his yeah. teeth as they He's say. Not even wearing a shirt. <laughs> uh, is it Peter Cast? Peter. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> best way to find us is on Twitter uh, at the Petercast. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you know Twitter's not your thing, you can always email us 
at thepetercast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, to get in touch with me personally is at Rendax, R-E-N underscore D-A-X-T. I'm always down to talk Buccaneers football. And please go check out our new YouTube channel, which is youtube.com backslash thepetercast. Very nice. We want to thank all of you who watched on Facebook, who listened on Mixler. In the future, those who listen uh, to the podcast. Uh, we are also waiting for our approval in Spotify, which hopefully will come this week. We are live in TuneIn. Um, I listened to multiple podcasts from TuneIn in the car, which was pretty cool the other day because that was something new. I didn't have to sync my phone and listen to the podcast player because I listened to it natively. So cool. we're going to continue to try and evolve this thing. We are looking at some other platforms for the video. Hopefully you guys are enjoying that. We will probably do some live tweeting since it's an away game this week. We do have our first tailgate coming up for the first uh, home game of the season. We'll let that stuff go out to Facebook, and soon we will have those Facebook events synced to the web page. Please do read all the materials out at whatthebuck.net. Follow these fine gentlemen on their podcasts as well, and spread the word about all of the good things that we do. For Ren Daxed, for Jason, J.C. Delatore, I'm just going to keep adding names to him, too. I'm not going to go <laughs> J.C. I'm not going to go Jason. I refuse to commit to either one. Uh, I am Old School. I am your host, and we will see you next week. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.